Okay, welcome to Ask Alex, episode 215 on the OneOuter.com podcast. Alex, we have not done this since... Actually, we've done one during this lockdown, as we're now calling it, and the whole world's used to. But this is our second one. So we're going to have a little catch-up, see what Alex has been up to, what's been happening. And I put out on Twitter earlier in the week some questions, because... I'm embarrassed to say some of the ones I've got in the list still are way dated, like heads up to Trevor who sent a question in and the dates are all referenced in, in 2019 and stuff. So we're, we're going to answer your question and, you know, change the dates. Um, it'll be quite funny when you actually hear what the question is as well. But anyway, Alex, um, how are you doing? How's things going? And how's NYC? Alex, do you think that Chris Moneymaker outplayed Sammy Farha in that last hand in the recent WSOP main event? Is that... <laughs> <laughs> Those are the questions we got in the inbox. <laughs> he sent in a question about... Yeah, to be fair, the tournament was in February just, so that's only, what, three months ago. Um, but the uh, he was referencing that in March 2019, he was saying... Um, he didn't really know what poker that was, but the, the question was about a tournament he was away to play um, and what day he should be playing and stuff. I mean, we'll get into it, but uh, long story short, I messaged them back at the time with some advice as well. So, But we will touch on it because it's quite an interesting little question to get us uh, to start the show with. But we'll do that after we've caught up with yourself, Alex. So what's been happening? The beginning of the email says, I'm excited for March Madness. This year's XFL season is going to be fantastic. It just, yeah, I'm just imagining how dated this email is going to sound, right? But that's good you got back to him. I'm good, man. Uh, you know, uh, the beginning, being in NYC during all of this was definitely, was definitely not where you'd want to be when... <laughs> I'm assuming if a pandemic is going to happen, you probably don't want to be in the epicenter. And it is pretty frustrating that I still have to pay New York prices for everything, such as rent and whatnot, and if I go get food or anything. But you're paying New York prices, and there's like nothing to do in New York now. The reason you live in New York is to do things in New York, to go to Coney Island on the weekends, hang out on the beach, go hiking upstate, to go to the theater, go to sports matches or whatever. Obviously, all of that is done. And that was kind of annoying the first. Not annoying is not the right word, but you go a little stir crazy when you can't. I work a lot in my office to begin with, and that can make you pretty nutty. Just anyone who's ever worked on the computer just staring at a computer screen for so many hours a day that can definitely make you nutty and then usually you decompress by getting outside going to the gym going to whatever but you know obviously that didn't happen and then i at the beginning i was pretty freaked out and i was really more worried about there's a a number of elderly people in my building and just every time i would use the apartment door uh, the front of the apartment complex, there's a door. Every time I go to like touch that handle before we knew anything, I'd be like, oh my God, don't touch that in case you're getting it, right? And then you're walking around, you want to have a mask, especially if you're near the elderly or anything. Uh, 
but I, I'm trying to use the time wisely and it's, uh, it's going pretty well. Um, I don't talk about it a ton because I don't want to talk about how great things are going for me during something that's so difficult for a lot of people. But I just started just making tons of content because what else is there to do? And getting a lot of that was trying to figure out how to make content a little bit more rapidly trying to find stuff that I did before and edit it again. And then I was re rebooting a lot of my older series. I was going through and like editing the visuals and I was editing the audio and then I was fixing that. And that's almost all done like six or seven products. I was helping a buddy of mine put together a product and that was pretty fun because that filled the niche I didn't have in my store. And essentially was just trying to use the time wisely. I, I redid Master the Flop. I added six new episodes because I, wa I watched through Master Tournament Poker in one class and I checked it against my data now. And I was like, all right, this is all good. And I paired it with How to Think Like a Poker Player because How to Think Like a Poker Player, that's in Master Tournament Poker in one class special edition. Essentially, if you pair Master Tournament Poker in one class with How to Think Like a Poker Player, it's just a slam dunk. Because it shows you all the analytics and then how to think like a poker player shows all, you all the execution and just people love it. And that was really fun to put all together. And I just kind of got into a role. It, it's just it simplified my life in that before it was like, I got to get on tour. I got to still play poker. I got to play these majors. I got to, uh, you know, this weekend we're living in New York. We got to take a t time to do something in New York. Otherwise, why live in New York? Okay, we got to go out and do this. And it's like, all right, I got to get to the gym. And I tried to, you, there's a stoic thing. You got to, as our friend uh, Tim Ferriss always says, Seneca. But <laughs> it says, appreciate the fruit that's in season. And I, I really had like the first three weeks, I was pretty edgy because obviously the data wasn't really the data looked pretty bad coming out of China and Italy. And pretty much any time I had to leave outside, I wore gloves and I wore a mask. I was super edgy if I was ever near an elderly person. But, and that was starting to affect me. And then I kind of got to this point where I said, I can't change this right now. So I have to appreciate what's in season. And that was just, my life is grossly simplified. I used to spend a lot of time getting to the gym, uh, working out at the gym, coming back from the gym. Now I have everything. Like I, I go to my living room. I use my resistance bands. I go for an hour hard uh, and then I'm done. Right. And as far as like outside time or whatever, I have my specific hours. I have my specific parts of the city. I go running to or walking to uh, where there's like nobody. There's an industrial part of Queens. Uh, anyone who lives around here, it's like the Steinway piano factory where there's just, there's nothing going on right now. And it's really easy to walk around there and it's pretty private. So I go out there, I'll go to Astoria Park when it's not that occupied. And that's really beautiful. That's right by the water and you can see the boats come in and out. And it's just, it's so automated, which is, you know, I have my time for working out. It's severely cut down, but it's still okay, effective. I have my time for uh, getting outside and instead of always, what are we doing this weekend? What are we doing this weekend? Can we do that? Do you think they can show up? Can they rent the car? Can they do that? 
it's just like, no, this is how I get outside. This is what I'm doing. And then I'm back inside. Uh, it's given me a lot of time to work on my projects. I'm remastered or redone like six, seven of them. Got another project done with a buddy. Executive produced it. Got a lot more content coming out, uh, going through it. And it's looking, if I do this right for a few more weeks, it's really exciting because it looks like I can schedule the mailing list out till the end of the year. And it's kind of the culmination of this really, I, I, I was always fascinated with the idea of a business that was automated because anybody who read the four hour work week, I, obviously that was the golden goose. Could you find a business that's more or less automated and that was interesting because, and I eventually learned out there's no such thing as automation, right? Like when tech, you know, when tech support emails come in, somebody's got to answer, right? And when people have a question about a product, you have to answer, right? So there, but I have enough content, like enough new articles. I have enough, I, I got like 40, 50 articles written, edited, prepared for publishing. I got a bunch of new videos and Essentially, it looks like what I can do is automate the list out to like Christmas, my newsletter. And my newsletter was always really fun for me because I, I, I love like reading ESPN in the morning, like the on the ESPN app, like reading about sports I like. And that was always a great way to w wake up and like read on the way to the gym if I was uh, if I could do that or listen to a podcast on the way to the gym. And I always thought it'd be really cool to have something like that with poker and with the newsletter. I I've just been working so much. I have so much content anyway, that I'm just really ahead of the game. And three years ago, I had a list of products I wanted to make for poker. I wanted one for live poker. I wanted one on the analytics of tournament poker, one on the execution of tournament poker, one on turbo tournaments, one on flop play, one on big majors, one on and one on three betting, one on donk betting, one on oh no, a few of those came before that. But I had a I had a culmination of a lot of those, right? And I'm at the end of my list. I've made all the products for all the niches I wanted to. And it's just this really weird feeling to feel like you built all of this. And it's really cool because as I schedule more content out and get further into the future. I, I get to the point where I could even send two messages a day sometime because I just have extra content. Like this podcast wasn't expected, but Barry and I were able to get on the call and I'm freeing up more time and it allows me to do stuff I really love. And that brings out more content, right? So I've been playing with writing fiction again to see if I'd be into that, uh, you know, doing podcasts, which I wasn't able to take a lot of podcast in invitations for a while. I just got to do the heads up poker podcast. Barry and I were able to finally schedule one. And it, it's just fun. I get to do more of the stuff I'm enjoying. I'm really, a, I feel like on my game. I feel like a, a plan really came together. Uh, I'm doing a lot for my customers because my goal was always, if you keep the customer happy, it, it's going to work out one way or another. And it's really cool to know that I think the only daily newsletter I know in poker is mine. And it's, getting new quality content all the time. And I was able to find like articles from years ago that like were published in magazines in Europe and stuff and like nobody was seeing. And I got to repost those 
and nobody had ever seen them on my newsletter and got really positive feedback. And it's just one of those, and there's private games all over the place online, right? Which is crazy. You were, I think, uh, everybody I know, maybe you can speak to this, Barry, which is everybody who had like a home game put it online now. So like you can just be in like 20 home games at a time on the internet, right? And there's a uh, guy in America who started up a little home game online. And I've been playing that every Saturday night since the start of lockdown. And it's been consistent. And being it's it's consistent, right? I actually... Normally, finding softer games is tough. I didn't know if you wanted to talk about it or not. But uh, they... Uh, uh, the problem I, I, I was having is just like four weeks into lockdown, I wasn't getting out enough. Uh, my, my like acute focus wasn't there. So I had to take a step back from a bunch of uh, the private games that were on the internet. But it's just, it's an exciting time for online poker. You, you got to look at the silver lining in this, right? And I think you've seen it, Barry. It's just like the action online is pretty plentiful and it's one of the reasons i always wanted to have this business on the internet is because you can do it anywhere you can put a desk up and obviously there's more money in like finance or like going to silicon valley or something like that but it's not as some of these jobs aren't as anti-fragile as our friend nasim nicholas taleb would put and it's I never thought that diversifying into, you know, info products and stuff would end being able to network with so many people through the free content and being invited into so many private games. I couldn't keep them straight. Uh, I, I didn't, and I couldn't possibly get to all of them. I never thought that stuff would happen, but it's one of those, you got to appreciate what you can do at the time. And yeah, it's been good too because my friends who have needed help and my family, like you can you can help if you're not as leveraged, right? You can help if you got things going on. And you know, some people are just it's tough right now, you know. So you do want to be able to help, and you can't help if you can't help yourself. So it's kind of getting into that groove and being able to be there for my family and my friends that's been really because the worst feeling is just being helpless in the face of all of this right <laughs> you know and not being able to do anything and just feeling like at the mercy of it and to kind of be able to have domain over something uh be it your playing hours being different your working hours being different actually getting ahead of things you were focusing on that that's it's good right it's i'm very very grateful because i know so many people aren't as lucky and I, i'm really grateful to everybody listening because barry and i don't get to do this don't uh a lot of people are we're very lucky to have you guys right like not and uh having the support of so many great people when you're running essentially a small business that supports your family during a time like this it's just unreal how blessed you feel with something like that so i i guess the long and the short of it barry is i'm choosing to be positive where i can 
and just covering my ass every time I go outside, you know, trying to use common sense. And that's getting me through. The other thing, Barry, I'm not watching the news, period. I think that stuff just gets you rattled all the time. And my mother, you know, my mom watches the local news every night. So what she does is I'll call her every day to check in on her. And if she feels it's really pertinent, she'll tell me. And that's been good. So the last time she told me was they were doing antibody testing in NYC. So she said, it's free, just sign up. And I was like, oh, okay, that's really relevant news. So I went to the site, I signed up. I went there, it was a huge warehouse. <laughs> they said, come at 510. I showed up at 440. I didn't get in for a couple hours. They didn't even like check my appointment or anything. They drew my blood. I tested negative for the antibodies. And I, I did have some respiratory something or other, but it was a little too early. It was like in January. So I was pretty sure I didn't have them. Uh, but yeah, the, the CDC just said like up to half of those are, uh, what, what did it say? Like it's incorrect 50% of the time, the antibody test. So it's like, what is that? Is that a coin flip? So maybe I would have done better to never listen to the news, right? Could have saved me an afternoon. And my God, the crowd they had outside of that warehouse, it was, I was thinking, boy, we better be careful because if we didn't have it before this, we might have it here. But yeah, what have you been up to, Barry? You doing all right? Yeah, I've just been like yourself. I've been just sort of locked down, doing what I can with what I can, you know, to my so I think my other businesses and that are still going um, as long as the mail deliveries are happening. I mean, don't get me wrong, a lot of that slowed up, especially internationally. I was waiting on stuff I'd bought myself from America and it normally takes five to seven days and it took three weeks. And I actually left from Chicago and went to Japan first, Tokyo, and then it got bounced to the UK. So wow. logistics over the world they must just be gripping things and doing weird roundabout routes and stuff because there's a lot less direct flights etc places and a lot of mail goes on passenger airlines as well and stuff as well you know they've got that some of it goes that way so um yeah it's while the mail's going i'm still in business and yeah people seem to be like nine times out of ten actually 9.9 times out of ten People are fine with a little delay in the mail. And then you get that one person that starts moaning and going crazy because their thing didn't arrive yesterday. And it's got it all over the place, like due to coronavirus situation, mail delays, etc. And some people, it's just not good enough for them, you know, still. So I think I think what this does is like any crisis and situation, it brings out your natural character. And it exposes people who are just dicks anyway, regardless of coronavirus or not. So what it does is it's like you're saying you're you're thinking very logically, okay, what can I do? What's in my control? What can I, you know, look at doing? How can I even possibly benefit from this or improve areas of my life, etc.? It's all mindset, like everything in life. And uh, like I've been trying to lose weight for years, and seriously, I've lost weight. I mean I'm getting stick from it from my family because I must be the only person during lockdown that's lost weight. <laughs> that's awesome. I'll, I'll tell you why that is. It's because normally, you know... You're, you're, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I was going to cut you off. But I can guess. I think everybody can guess. 
five, six takeaways a week. Like, just can't be <laughs> Yeah, right. Because it's so easy, right? Yeah. Much fizzy juices. I want, you know, whereas yes, I'm like, actually, I'm doing a lot more cooking in that now. And I've been, when I say cooking, I've not been having like salads. You know, I've been cooking steaks and whatever and what I normally eat, you know, and chicken and this and fish. And, you know, I've had fries at home and deep fried onion rings and stuff. And I'm still losing weight. I've lost about nine pounds since the start of lockdown. Yeah. I've yeah. been, on, you know, been on a few walks and stuff, but, you know, I'm not running. I'm not gemming at whatever. And people are saying, you know, like, wow, you're the only person I know that's lost weight during lockdown. And I'm like, yeah, it's because I normally eat so badly uh, before it, you know, that anything, me cooking anything at home, is better than any takeaway, basically. And um, well, oh so- my god, you're so right. Sorry, go ahead. I, I was just gonna say, like, just one quick little point to your thing. I was like two fifteen in Costa Rica, and then just the way my schedule was, I couldn't cook uh, for you know, like a week or t- not a week or two, but like I, I started ordering out like two times a week or something like that. In like a few months later, I was like 240 pounds or something. Like it really adds up. And it was such I the initial weight came off pretty quick, but it got so hard to get through some of those pounds. Like people don't realize how much grease is in those takeaways. It's the oils and the that's exactly what it is. It's the grease and the oils because cooking at home, you know, if I'm doing a steak, it's just like searing hot pan, a tiny bit of olive oil on the steak and salt, and that's it. Even in some restaurants, if you you know it's fried heavy in oil. Whereas if I'm doing uh, fries or you know chips as we call them here, like you know in in the uh, the house they're not swimming in oil. Whereas you go out, everything's deep fried, the chicken, everything, and it's the oil, the the calories in the oils that they use that you don't notice that you're actually eating the lot of it that is soaked up. You know that's why it's so uh, calorific. So any sort of home cooking, even if you're having you know, we've had, you know, burgers, steaks, and I did big roast beef one Sunday and everything. You know, there's only two of us at home. <laughs> it's like kept us going for days, you know, and it's like I'm still losing like that because it's still better than picking up the phone and phoning in some, you know, curry or Indian or whatever that's full of fat and calories and, and stuff like that. So, but yeah, just trying to, you know, go out, you know, as much walks and stuff as I can. And like yourself, when I'm leaving now, for my other business, I have to do like a mail drop once a week. So I just go there. And luckily, I just, I've got systems in place now. I just drop it off. I don't need to stand there while they process it or anything. Uh, I just go in, drop off. And I'm wearing a mask and gloves and, and that's it. Um, because I just, I'm looking at it like, you know, I'm not saying, oh, that's me protected or whatever. I'm just saying there's no downside to wearing gloves and a mask. You know, and the mask goes in the bin and the gloves go in the bin as soon as I get home. And I use another one the next time I go out. So, and that that's what I'm doing in terms of protective. And I've not been to see my family since, you know, the start of it. I've not seen any of them in person. We've had plenty of FaceTime chats and all that stuff like everyone else is doing. But, I mean, I joke. I've been locked down for years, Alex. I'm sitting here watching <laughs> Netflix. It's not really affected my life greatly in terms of that. I don't. I'm missing booking a little trip or travel. I was supposed to be going to Texas just before this all started in March and then Trump stopped, you know, like UK citizens. And thank God, because otherwise it would have been, you know, a nightmare for me trying to get back and stuff as well, going on one of these big flights of 
everyone just getting sort of rescue flight just getting brought back and so yeah once once things whenever that is down the line um i'll be looking forward to a trip again but to be honest you know if they come out and say right that's it okay to fly in like july or whatever i'm not jumping on a flight straight away still so i don't know when the next trip will be um but though, i think there'll be lots of little i feel sorry on people that are really struggling with it in terms of mental health wise and you know, you can get yourself, like you're saying, touching the door handle and this. I do the same when I leave this block or um, when I'm in a shot, I'm like, oh, I've touched that. I don't, you know, don't touch the face or anything. I'm very good at, on top of all that and uh, obsessant hand washing. Um, even when you bring stuff into the house, you're like, well, I've washed my hands now and they're clean, but I've now opened this bottle that was outside the house. So I better go and wash my hands again, you know, and, it just, <laughs> it just goes on forever. It, I think that can drive you crazy and like OCD. We're all going to end up like Jack Nicholson and as good as it gets, you know, like um, <laughs> heavy OCD. But um, yeah, it's 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 hard. I mean, I mean, I lost a friend to coronavirus. You know, a I, I guy. He was he was sixty three. He did have some underlying health uh, issues, but it was coronavirus. Um, that killed him uh, I spoke to his daughter and stuff and I had to obviously couldn't attend his funeral it was five max at the funeral that was the local uh, restrictions and his kids went and they gave me the username and password to log on and I watched his funeral um, online like a web stream live cameras from the crematorium all the music blaring in sitting with headphones on watching that I mean it was just surreal uh, and you know George who died you know um, so, uh, he was such a good sense of humour and such a big influence in my life you know like we both got on really well both very dry sense of humour and stuff and he would have loved that he would have been joking like well my mine was on worldwide you know I'm the first funeral that's been worldwide all this <laughs> that stuff. he would have laughed at that himself but yeah very surreal situation and very sort of weird world and my sister's a nurse you know she's been dealing um right at it with people and constantly like doing news from the ground like we've got so many people in tonight with coronavirus this this person died i went she was off for four you know four days on four days off shift thing she goes back in and like 10 of the people she was dealing with like had died and it was just you know it's crazy and uh, you, you just hope that whatever is happening now with governments, there is some sort of coordinated measures because I hate to start, I don't like to make forecasts and especially with something as serious as this, but you look back at like other pandemics and stuff and there usually is second and third waves. And if people just have this mass mentality now of like, all right, that's over, right? whatever, back to normal. I don't know, I'm, this is a conspiracy. I'm not getting there, whatever. If too many people do that, be back to square one before you know it and then what will be scary then is the governments will have to come out and say even more severe restrictions and these are enforceable now like you you know the british government has been typical british it's been very we'd ask you to do this and we'd like if you could do that and it's all been very polite and proper but um if it kicks off and spikes again i can see them actually coming in and saying you know, this is enforcement by police and stuff now and a presence on the on the streets and that, you know, to keep it enforced, which nobody wants to see. But um, 
Well, hopefully all our listeners are safe and well and your families are safe and well. And, yeah, you're just doing, well, basically, in a nutshell, do the best you can with what you're doing. And, but also by that, don't mean like you should be doing anything as well. Put your feet up and watch TV if you can do that. If you're if you're in a position right. where you're furloughed or you're receiving government help or something like that, and I know it's only 8%, and I know there's still going to be huge financial problems for some of you, etc. but... If you are in a position where you can just stay at home and watch TV and that's all you got to do, then just do that, please. Like, you know, just... Yeah. It's crap. Listen to these podcasts or go through previous podcasts and listen to the 300 films that myself and Alex have recommended previous. <laughs> Work good. Man, you know? It's a good time to check out It Follows. But the thing... <laughs> there's a callback. Uh no, the thing I was going to say is you actually said a couple of things there that I, I think to put a bow on this, I, I think we should emphasize, which is one, you don't, if you get through this with your sanity intact, I think that's a win, right? If you can, Barry was saying like, yeah, kick back, watch Netflix and all that. I, I think that's great. There's a lot of people that have been like, oh, now this is your time to do X, Y, and Z. And the funny thing was, you said something that really got, it, it like really kind of solidified something in my mind or didn't solidify something. It, it kind of really struck true to me, which is this pandemic really reveals who you are, right? And it's really easy on the one outer podcast for 25 minutes for Barry and I to act like we've all got it together. <laughs> but we, uh, obviously he lost someone and I, the, if you get through this, like if you get out of 2020 without, if we can get through this without serious damage, I, I think that's a real win. And you, what this, you said it really revealed who you were. I have not been losing weight. I have been gaining weight. I I was really on my diet, really on my exercise at the beginning of this year. This stuff happened and I started eating like crap. Like it was just pizza every week, watching Tiger King, watching uh, whatever, right? And I was just uh, struggling and I, I was freaking out every time I had to go outside. Right. And uh, you know, you, you said it right, which is like, it doesn't cost you anything to wear the gloves, wear the mask or whatever. But I, I was just edgy all the time. Like anybody, anytime somebody came near me, I was ready to go at them. People were, I was on a phone at one point and some woman came out and started screaming at me and she was saying, you know, there's a curfew in New York, right? I, I, I was taking a phone call and I, I was walking through the neighborhood and like trying to get out, right? So I'm not like just having a phone conversation in front of someone's house. I was moving, right? And this woman who was taking her garbage out, who was clearly having a bad day herself, started yelling, you know, there's a curfew out, you effing a-hole. And she was going in and it took all my energy, Barry, not to come back. Right. It would have felt so good to just because I would have I was totally in the right at that point. 
right? I totally could have done it. And, you know, I, I, I've been putting on weight in the first three weeks. I was super edgy. And I think we've all felt like I'm just tired of the whole, you know, you can use this time to be blah, 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 right? The way I started becoming more productive is that I told myself, turn off the news. We all have one friend who can tell us if something relevant is going to happen. And by the way, I've gotten every big update since then, right? If it's important, they'll tell you. Turn off the news. Stop drip feeding that all day. Don't beat yourself up if you eat the pizza or you put on some weight or whatever. Don't beat yourself up and just start with small steps, right? So the small step I started with is I didn't want to run, so I go for a walk, right? I didn't, uh, I didn't want to work out, but I dragged my ass out and just did some push-ups, right? And just built on it little by little. But I know a lot of people are beating themselves up right now. Like, no one saw this coming, right? You can't give yourself crap if you... It, and it's okay to be super on edge for a little while. But yeah, it's... We all get ruled by our emotions at times. It's a whole, if you can gather yourself and do something that later on, the way I'm helping myself is I always imagine in an hour, how are you going to feel about this, right? So when that, the few times I've wanted to snap, and there's been a few times, you know, people are doing things that are not intelligent. You just ask yourself, how are you going to feel about this tomorrow if you do that, right? And I, I think if you can get through without much, right? It, it, you know what I'm saying, Barry? Which is like, don't be too hard on yourself if you're... Not everybody can lose weight like Barry. And the only way... Uh, and the only way I got ahead on my projects or any of that stuff, a lot of that stuff was already set up before all of this happened. And I was just looking for a distraction from this the whole day. This has nothing to do with discipline. This has nothing to do with, I was literally just, I want to turn on metal music and not think of this. And I pissed away a lot of time and I wasn't super focused and I wasn't great at it. And it happened to work out right. But all the people saying like, you should be I don't know. You, you can now do a new fitness routine and you can start your new business and everything. It's like, if you get out of this with your wits intact and you're taking care of your family and if you do anything for anyone in your community, that's just extra credit, right? Like if you do any of that stuff, like I think it's a win because we pandemics and wars happen. Right. And truthfully, if you're going to live 80 years, it's really likely you were going to live through one which is pretty weird to think of. And if you get through this with your wits intact and with telling people, you know, I kind of laid low and I did what I could, I, I think that's a huge win. And we, we should all make an effort to not be so hard on ourselves. I, I think uh, that was the really yeah. big thing. And, and let me be clear. I'm not in case there's any sort of sense of smugness coming from me or anything. I've got or a I've got another like fifty pounds to go, so you know. <laughs> let's, put yeah, it let's put it in perspective. When you're as, when you get as big as me and you're carrying as much excess weight as me, losing nine pounds time, you can do that in a week of being thingy. So I should actually probably <laughs> lost more as well. So, 
Right, I'm catching up here. (laughs) Let's get into the questions then. Yes, Uh, sir, let's do it. Let's answer some questions. Right, the first one we are going to touch on is Trevor's question. Trevor, I'm so sorry in advance. You messaged this way back, and I'm just going to summarize because a lot of it's not, uh, you know, relevant just now. But he says, way back in March 19, he couldn't even tell what a full house was, but he picked up poker because he needed a new hobby. The first training material I bought was Master Tournament Poker in one class, and I've bought several other programs from you to go along with it. Over six months of recorded live tournament play, ranging from free bar poker with $25 to first place to $20 tournaments, then up to $300 buy-in within months. A little over 40 tournaments later, I had a 79% ROI and about 3200 in profit. I know it's not a ton, but it's not nothing either. And without question, I owe it all to Alex. Um, anyway, to my question. Now, he had in a few weeks, he was going to be playing his biggest tournament yet, a $575 buy <laughs> Damn it. I got the biggest buy-in ever on Ultimate Bet. I'm ready. How old is this question? Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> $570 buy-in, 150K guaranteed. Now, it's a live tournament. He's got... Uh, I'm not really intimidated or super nervous, only looking forward to it in an anxious manner. And it's a three-day tournament, Friday, Sunday, with Friday, Saturday being days 1A, 1B. Now, I have a day job, but I want to be fully prepared and invested, given all my tournament. And his question was, do you think he should take a the take off work on the Friday and spend it reviewing and preparing for day 1B on the Saturday, or play day 1A on the Friday, and assuming I make it to day 2, spend Saturday preparing for the final? And he, put, he doesn't have a ton of vacation days to spare, uh, and calling in sick on Thursday, Friday might turn heads at the job. Um, the tournament was way back in February 21st, 23rd. So maybe he's won this tournament while we're reading this out. Um, either way, I love the show and appreciate everything. So from memory, I think I messaged back to him and said, you should always play the the 1B, the Saturday, if it's a Saturday as a, as a day one, because there's a lot more recreational players in the same position as you that can only play the Saturday, whereas Friday or Thursdays, you've really got, you know, if the day one, especially if it's starting during the day, you've usually got a lot of travelling pros or at least semi, good semi-professional or retired guys that are really on their game that turn up and play these days. So take the, you know, stay at work and stay in the good books, play the Saturday uh, 1B. And then I also said something about like, because if it's travel as well, you go right into the day two the next day. And you can be in a little bit of a groove and stuff. So that was my advice, roughly. But Alex, if you have anything for people playing these sort of multi-day tournaments, what the whether there's a preference for a start date or any other little sort of tips you can give, um, we'll we'll put a, a line through that question finally for Trevor. Yeah, um, I, you know what? I go back and forth on this before because I've actually had some occasions where I had to play on a Thursday or a Friday, uh, just because of something else is going on. I, I was amazed at how many retired people showed up and they were there to gamble. So those days were pretty good, but generally on Saturday, that's when a lot of the working people who want a satellite and can't, you know, ob- obviously have families they got to support and have to show up at work. That, that tends to be the days they play. And 
I kind of like that a little bit more because it's more scared money where some of the retirees, they'll get in and gamble with you, right? And it's a lot of fun, but I don't know if it's really good for, you know, bluffing them and chopping out pots and whatnot. So the thing I always tell people when this comes is whatever day you pick, there's there's some variance and some good things can happen, some bad things can happen. You, you could get a bad table draw. If you have a total choice, get take, take the uh, weekend. I tend to find that another thing to take into consideration here is the age of the person. I've had pretty good success with players who are in their 50s and 60s giving them days off between days they play because then they refresh and regenerate. And let's be honest, if you have ever played, when I was 21, I I could play day five of a tournament. I was still amped, right? I was ready to go. And I think it was a WPT Borgata uh, recently. I I got to a day four or whatever it was. And I was just floored at how tiring that was right having to focus maybe it's because i know more about what to focus on these days and i'm during a hand i'm really paranoid i'm missing things now whereas when i was younger i was just drinking red bull and stupid but the i think it depends on your how much energy you've got right Now, the thing is, it sounds like you're very new to poker. And the thing I've noticed about people that are very new to poker is it's all so fascinating that they can play back-to-back days regardless of their age. And they'll probably still be right into it, right? It's once it becomes a little more old hat where you need more of the breaks because you find yourself feeling like you've seen it all before and you start tuning out during hands and that's, that's not good. So you got to like make yourself take a note down or something like that. And that's a, that's another, I mean, sorry, this is a little off topic, but they're talking about the WSOP coming back uh, in October. And I'm really think I would want to play that. But I normally take notes in my cell phone while I'm playing live because I, I tell myself, if you can't take a note after a hand, like you're not paying attention. Right. But now I'm just wondering about how filthy I'm going to make that phone if it happens in October, right? I guess you got to bring some wet wipes with you and uh, the gloves and the mask and everything. But uh, yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to get off topic with that. But if, you, if you're going to make yourself pay attention during a tournament, it's, it's good to see if you could, if you know what happened at the end of every hand. And I, I just find even writing like, I'll write like three R, that's just like three raise preflop. And that's enough to keep me focused. And yeah, I, I don't think you could, if you ever have a choice of what day to pick, I find if energy issues during uh, long tournaments are ever an issue, like take as many days off as possible. Uh, and on the day off, you don't need to prep as much as I think you need to warm up the actual day you play. I can tell you, Many guys perform very well when they just are very focused on the poker. And then the next day, it's just complete rest, right? Go hiking or something, right? Something as far away from a screen as possible. And then when you play the next day, do like a 20-minute warm-up, do a couple of quizzes. 
if there's a poker coach you like who puts quizzes online, follow them. And thank you very much for the kind words. I'm really happy to hear that you got the 79% ROI. That's fantastic to hear. Uh, I really love my job. It feels like being a head coach in the NFL or something. And just like being a head coach in a major sports league, you don't get to keep doing it if uh, your players aren't winning. So it's music to my ears to hear you guys are winning, right? So, yeah, I think that would be... I think that would be the long and the short of it, everything we talked about there. And just as a reminder, just like enjoy it as well. I remember playing some of these events and like Alex said, when I first started, I enjoyed it. It was fun. I was there to gamble. You weren't thinking into everything as much and you soaked it up. You were very present. Then as you learn the game and start playing a bit more and you're a bit more self-critical and stuff as well, it kind of took the fun out of it for me a little bit in terms of you going yes. and then you just like, I'm not really enjoying this a bit. And like you say, energy sapping mentally and frustration with people maybe at a table or something like that. And now I'm full circle again. It's like poker is fun for me again. I'm enjoying it. Even these home games I've been playing online again recently, they're fun. And the last few times I was in Vegas last year, I played live. You know, I, I had fun. I cashed in a few tournaments. When I went out with beats and that, it was like, ah, whatever, you know, sort of thing. And there, there's a point that you've got to just enjoy it as well and you'll get more out of it. And, like, don't beat yourself up if you're, you know, everybody wants to go in and win the tournament, but, like, you got to be real and uh, it's probably, like, unlikely going to be you. But you've got every chance. So you've got to really hold that balancing act in your mind of, like, this is unlikely going to be me that wins this tournament, but I'm still here, so I've got a chance. I'm a lot more likely than the guy that's not in it. So let's just go sort of thing and see what happens and play well and have fun. That's all, that's all you can do. That's a really good point, Barry, which is I, I've really found, like when, when I do play now, I want to play cash and I want to, I, I, the older I get, the more I realize like Chip Reese was the smartest guy ever. Just play the biggest games with the biggest recreational players you can find, right? And uh, cash is so much more flexible and cuts out a lot of time. So when I do play tournaments, it's more like, oh, cool, I have some time. Let's play, right? And I'm really much more gung-ho now and much more having more fun because it's not – it's good you have a day job. It's good you have other things going on, right? Or if you are a professional poker player, it's good to have a base and like cash games and stuff and then play tournaments. Uh, when I first got to Europe, I was playing mostly cash and that was paying my bills. And then when the tournaments came, it was just like this treat. And the thing about it that was interesting, when I was living in Costa Rica, recreation was pretty cheap. You go to... The movie's there. It's five bucks. You want to go to the beach. It's 20 bucks in gas to get there with your friends. And then if you rent a place, you can find like really cheap places for 30 bucks a night, right? And everybody just packs into it. If you want to go for a hike in the mountains, it's 10 bucks. Everything was really cheap. When I came back to the States, it was just culture shock in my own culture. I couldn't believe how expensive things were right and the thing about it is people say like well playing poker recreationally isn't that pricey well 
a buddy of mine said, I'm going up to Vermont to go skiing. Would you like to go? And it's one of those things. I, I sure as hell don't want to drive to Vermont if I can just sleep in the car and get there. Like, how can you say no to that? That sounds like one of those life experiences. And I've never been to Vermont or anything. And then you go and you're like, oh my God, this is so expensive. The ski rentals, the the most basic Airbnb, the lift tickets, the food. And if you ever go play golf, a lot of people I know are into golf. Like I, I never got into golf, but like that can be really pricey. Or say you're a little bit more, you're not into golf or skiing, those, uh, those frilly things, right? But you're into football, right? You're, you're into American football or you're into soccer. Like you go to one of those matches, oh my God, it's hundreds of dollars for tickets. The idea, recreation costs money in the first world, right? And you think about the bang for your buck with some of these big majors, right? That live, if it's a couple hundred bucks, but it could be a couple days of running and gunning and playing for big money. Even if you don't cash, to me, that's a great value, especially if you're learning from it, becoming a better player, because you can play golf a lot and get really good at golf. It's probably going to be really hard to make money from it. Probably the same thing with skiing, probably the same thing with a lot of hobbies. But I used to just love being a card room rat. I just loved living in the card room. I just was just like some guys love living in the pool hall. I just loved being in the card room and I didn't really think about the money and you just every day it was rewarding. You know, sometimes I would have some money, sometimes I didn't, but it, you, you get a little better each time. And then with poker, it's a cash business. You only got to be better than the eight guys at the table with you, regardless of the stakes, right? You're not competing against the world. You're competing against those eight guys. And if you play online, like a $50 tournament, you can play almost anywhere on earth and play for play for like literally tens of thousands of dollars in some of these really big events. It's almost magical. It's crazy because imagine trying to get into a golf tournament, how much money that would cost, like the prep, how good you would have to be. And in poker, like anybody can win. I think, God, it's so much more fun to keep that attitude. And if anybody ever gives you a hard time for how you're playing live, you go, who said I wanted to win? I came here to gamble. Maybe I came here to just have fun. I paid the buy-in. I can do whatever I want. See, see what they say to that. It's always a really funny reaction. Yeah, you know, or you just say, this isn't my life, you know. <laughs> if you really want to get to it, right? <laughs> that sounds like something Barry said to somebody in the States, I can imagine. I was going to say is like you, the, the perfect way to approach it is put lots of effort in, but don't put too much of yourself in to the game. You know what I mean? There's a different... <laughs> Bars. That was a line, Barry. Damn. That was an adage. Wow. Study up, put the effort in, go and play to win the tournament and whatever. And but remove yourself and don't put too much of yourself worth into it. Because that's why I think the mistake a lot of people, especially a lot of young guys, mate, and they get so frustrated. You can see it at the table. Their whole soul is an identity is attached to the outcome. Yes. You're screwed. You're screwed at that point. You know. I, I've fallen for that trap as well. I, I think a lot of young men are, I, I was certainly very insecure 
at that time and it, obviously making a ton of money and all the things that come with that would certainly alleviate that for a time so you you fixate on that and that's just it's not the point it's gambling is supposed to be responsible recreation for adults so you must be an adult it must be money you can afford to lose something i do I put I put my poker money aside and I forget where it, you know you just don't check the account you don't look in it you don't use it with your uh, the expenses for your day to day stuff and you just pretend it's gone right and it's a small amount and then when you get to play with it it feels like a free roll right you got to really do that and you don't pull out the rent money to use that old dumb adage but. It's got to be separate. It's got to you got you got to pretend the money's gone. It's it's up in the air. Just like if you went snowboarding, just like you went golfing. All right, we got more questions. Yeah, yeah. Let's get straight into them because we we spent a lot of time um, with the coronavirus stuff. So let's batter on with these. Uh, this one is from Mark on Twitter, um, and this one was just the other day. So this is bang up to date. Um, Mark on Twitter says, Alex, I've been playing more tourneys online and trying to employ the tactics that you've espoused. I've been having difficulty manipulating opponents through three bets, as you've advised, and I wonder if my targeting systems require collaboration. Could you help me with this problem? Yeah, so uh, typically nine times out of ten when I see people... uh, three betting and it's not working as much what happens is they're looking at the pre-flop raise and it's like 21 percent or whatever it is it, it, the guy's like a 24 21 which would be a terrific person to three bet but then you look by position it, it's not 21 percent for every position he, he's actually a little bit more conservative from earlier position and later position he's kind of going all out or sometimes you see the opposite some guys are really afraid to raise from later position and they'll do it from early position, right? You, you got to, or something that happens is you don't have a ton of hands on the guy and he looks super active, but if you have your note caddy hooked up, you look in to what hands he's opened with and it's like queens, queens, kings, ace, kings. So it's like, okay, preflop raise is pretty high there, but it's been a hand. The, the problem I have with uh, <clears throat> in teaching poker is A lot of the skill edge is three betting one guy who opens way too much and just chopping out pots with him. It it is an art form getting the guy to fold post-flop. Some guys just miss and they fold, Uh, especially if you're playing live, like $300 tournaments or something like that. That happens a lot. Or if you're playing on like small networks, anything $50 or under. But, you know, if you're playing on the dot-com sites, it's a lot of times you're going to have to bet set him up to call a little too much bet down right and that is an art form which is why i really recommend people focus on softer sites uh as much as possible and the thing that i was going to say in addition is when you're looking at like a training pack or we're talking about it on one outer and it's just like hammer the guy who's opening 27%, hammer the guy who's opening king eight suited. It sounds like it happens all the time. There's a lot of times though, I'll sit down live and I I don't get to do a loose three bet the whole day. Nobody's open wild. Or nobody's opening wild. It happens all the time. There's a lot of times just 
it doesn't happen. And then there's some days you sit down, it's like, my God, um, everybody's opening everything, right? You see a four, six suited from early position. You see, and on those days, you almost feel ridiculous. You're three betting so much. And the other part of the three bet manipulation that I see some guys struggle with is essentially the, the way to make money in no limit hold'em, like when you're just starting out in low to medium stakes. And if, if, if you get this down, you're going to be hopefully keeping that 79% ROI like that person was doing, or at least having, you know, some kind of ROI, a 30 or 40% in low stakes tournaments or mid stakes. If you can get people to commit to big pots out of position with like a capped wide range and you're in position with play, if you're playing your big pots in position with generally superior hands, it's going to be really hard to beat you. I, I, you're not, you wouldn't have to be that good of a poker player to win with that edge. Now, is that going to, is just that going to make you a terrific reg on the toughest sites going into the higher six stuff? Absolutely not. At that point, you have to, you know, you're going to have to do some study. You got to get into the solver ranges. You got to get into uh, balancing a bit more. You're going to be playing reg on reg a lot more. But if you're playing like just these, if you're playing like just big open fields with lots of recreational players, like really low stakes, micro stakes, or you're playing even like $55 buy-ins, but on networks that are just real soft, right? You can find a lot of guys to isolate. Sometimes you can get a guy, sometimes a lot of guys just fold nothing out of the big blind. So you just keep re raising and getting them to call you out of the big blind. And superior hand doesn't have to be much. If you see a guy open king eight suited from the low jack, king jack offsuit, now can become a three betting hand because if you three bet small enough, the guy commits out of position. And a lot of guys give you timing tells where if they have ace king, they think about it for a second about four betting and then they, uh, before they call. And, uh, but you can, the second half of the equation is so, so the first half is if it's not there, it's not there, right? if you're sitting on the fastball and the fastball doesn't come, you're going to have to recalibrate, right? But most of the time it's going to come. And there's a lot of times you'll sit down at a table and all the guys are more or less solid, in which case you got to wonder why you're in that game. If you really got a terrible table drawer, if you actually picked not a terrific place to play. And, but if you do find a guy who's calling out of the big blind and then hits a pair and can't fold, which is a lot of people are you find that somebody is raising a whole ton and then calling out a position with damn near everything. You're in that same position. The second part of that equation is let's say you got that King Jack and you've seen the guy open the King eight suited and his frequencies are pretty high. Let's say the board comes, you have that king jack, and the board comes king nine five. You you really want to think about setting up three streets at that point. Because a lot of those same guys that just love to get in there and gamble, they'll call three streets with nine seven suited, nine eight suited, ten nine suited, jack nine suited, queen nine suited, ace nine suited, king ten offsuit, king nine's 
uh, excuse me, the king suited that don't have up uh, the king eight suited, the, the ones that didn't make two pair. And it, it's kind of a, it, it, it's kind of interesting how a lot of guys just can't, if you look at the data, people can't bluff enough. People really have a hard time bluffing. That's pretty consistent, like pretty much wherever I look. And people have a hard time folding after they call the flop. Because think about it. <clears throat> Most people, when they raise pre-flop and they get three bets small, they feel ridiculous folding because what if I hit the flop, right? I'm going to feel silly. I think, you know, I get three cards. It's pretty cheap. Okay. They're not articulating in that way, but that's what their God says. Then they call. And if they miss the flop, it's okay to fold because now they know they would have missed the flop, right? But if they hit the flop and they call a C-bet, it's really difficult to find a recreational player that's really going to be looking at folding turn and river because you feel like I called pre-flop, I hit the board, I called on the flop. What am I doing if I'm folding this on the turn or river? Like, what? why even play the hand? Am I just like, what am I doing at this table? Anybody could outplay me. And so the second half of that equation with the three bets is when they're just, sorry, it's always a baseball analogy. If it's a fastball right in the middle of the play, you got to bomb it, right? You got to, you, you got right in the middle of the zone. You got to put it out, right? If you three bet King Queen, cause you've seen the King eight suited uh, be opened and you three bet small enough and the guy just doesn't fold the three bets and the board comes king seven two. You are setting up like ten x, twenty x, forty x. You are trying to bomb the guy. And the great thing about tournaments is, tur- tournaments are supposed to be you play a lot of them at very small stakes so you can diversify. You can play. Let's say, let's say you've got like a thousand dollars. You want to spread that across like fives and tens and twenties if that's your recreational budget, right? And all that has to happen is you only got to go deep a couple times, right, to really uh, make that a big deal. So it's like you bomb out of a five, you bomb out of a 20, you bomb out of a five, you bomb out of a 10, you bomb out of a 20. But then because uh, you keep three betting, you keep messing or you keep like sometimes you run into a goofy second pair by the river and that sucks. Right. But just if just once or twice you keep getting deep and like putting some money together, it does work out. Right. But again, the other thing I'm going to say, which is kind of hard to communicate, is when we're talking about this, it's very exciting. It sounds really fun. There's sometimes you'll play an entire three day world poker tour of that and it like comes up zero times. Right. It just that happens sometimes. You never get the hand. The one guy you wanted to pick on, you just never have a hand when he opens or there's no one to pick on. And there's sometimes you'll play a $50 tournament and just everybody's uh, 15, 13 rag at that table, in which case you got to back off, right? And you're going to have to go into your, a lot, a lot of the stuff that like Jonathan Little talks about and the balancing stuff works really well there. Hope that helps. Okay. And I think we should just cram this last question in. Um, on episode, and let's do it. Let's give the people what they want. Uh, specifically, Oval Bagpipe Guy on Twitter. That's his handle. <laughs> um, nice. 
do your standard recommendations, three bet, large C bet sizing to fold high cards, etc. Apply to turbos, hyper turbos, and sit and goes. Oh, that's it. Okay, yeah. so the the three betting. Well, the the thing about I, I recently turbo tournaments are not my specialty. So what I did is I got Mike Wasserman, my buddy who's made a million dollars in profit from online MTTs. He, he did a pack about turbo tournaments. He did a pack about crush hyper turbos and he did a pack about progressive knockouts. And I, I in one of those, uh, products i'm asking him questions all the time in one of the training packs and that was the turbo one and in the crush hyper turbos one we were were discussing that as well the i wasn't in that one but he he talks about it and something you'll notice is in the turbo tournaments when he it's at the beginning and you're 100 big blinds deep it's just the same things Right. He is still, you know, 100 big blinds is 100 big blinds, 50 big blinds is 50 big blinds. And I wouldn't say the other thing about the standard recommendations is something that always worries me is when people are like, okay, so three bet all the time and C bet really big. It's, It's really easy to try to turn it into a pilot's checklist and not remember the fundamentals earlier. We just discussed recently when you should be three betting. That's when a guy's getting really out of line. That's usually you see a showdown and the percentages line up. But when you're C betting large, that's because that's a very basic opponent who he really likely... He opens too damn much. You three bet. He calls. The board comes nine six four. There are some. He has like it comes nine six four or it comes queen eight five. It's most likely he has a high card. There are basic opponents, live and online, that if they check to you and you bet two thirds pot, they'll go whoa that's a big bet, and they'll fold. Now not everyone is like that because remember the fundamental we were discussing is. How do I get his high cards to fold? That was always the fundamental. And the answer that we came to a lot of the time with basic opponents was larger C-bets sometimes manipulate them. They're they're thinking third pot bet. They're thinking half on. They see two-thirds or 75%. They go, that's weird. And they fold. And even 75% pot only needs to work 42.8% of the time. And if the guy's folding high cards, a lot of times it's well north of that. Now, that is not always the case. There are guys, sometimes you'll think, what bet is going to get him to fold his high cards? And the answer is, I don't know. His fold to C bet is like 31%. Okay. What do we have to look at now? Well, his fold to turn C bet, what's that? It's 50 and change. Oh, okay. So what I want to do is I want him to call as many hands as possible on the flop and then fold on the turn. It looks like he gets a little bit more honest. Okay, so let's let's bet like 33% pot on the flop. And then we'll bet half pot on the turn, right? And then this all assumes you got most guys don't know who 
you are, right? If you're playing with the same guys every day, you're going to have to like take notes of what bet sizes you use, what, and you're going to have to start balancing. But let's let's say you're playing like these big field tournaments and nobody knows who you are. You can just exploit based on the statistics. That's uh, especially micro stakes, low stakes, and some medium stakes. That works a lot. And remember the fundamentals that underlie that, right? And actually, in a, I, I just redid Master the Flop. It's now called Master the Flop 2020. The first news sections are big bets and small bets, right? Like, why is everybody betting quarter pot? Why is everybody betting 33% pot? And I start you on the exploitative reasons to do that and help you how to separate each guy, right? Now, in these turbo tournaments, in hyper turbos, what Mike Wasserman does is he kind of manipulates the stack depths a little bit because they get really short really quick. So what is going to happen is if you're three betting, you're not necessarily doing that to trap a big range and then go for your implied odds aren't there. Like at the beginning of like regular speed tournaments, the stuff I'm talking about works a lot because everybody's like 80 big blinds deep. And if like two of you really build up your chips, like even on day two, you you're still like 80 big blinds deep. So if that guy's still opening a ton and calling out a position and having a really hard time with deep call downs, you, you can just set yourself up to win. But in these like turbo and hyper turbos, like if they're 30, 40 X deep, the implied odds aren't there for you to, thinly value bet something. So if you're thinly three bet value bet something. So if you're three betting, it's typically for stack manipulation purposes or for value, just straight value. And there's a lot of ICM manipulation stuff. So there's a lot of really cool stuff that Mike gets into. And honestly, it, it's a lot of stack manipulation, tournament manipulation, like knowing uh, how the tournament's progressing and whatnot. But I guess this leads into our ending. I couldn't hope to cover all of what took Mike 14, 15 hours to discuss or whatever it is. Um, the Turbo Tournaments pack is 13, 14 episodes. The Crush Hyper Turbos pack is several episodes as well. I think, yeah, it goes for four hours and whatever it is. But everything's on sale right now and i guess we should talk about that what do you think barry yeah before before we uh, decided the date to record the show and stuff alex has kindly offered to do another big discount for everyone again and a lot of his stuff and this time it's more than one or two products i think so alex if you could just take it away and let people know what's on sale slash offer how people can go about getting that, and then I will let people know in the show notes and the Facebook group and on Twitter, etc., as well. Yeah, what we did is, first of all, thank you guys all for your support of my small business during this time. It means a lot my, from my family to yours. I really appreciate it. Uh, but the thing I was going to say is a lot of people were writing in saying, like, hey, I'm doing nothing but playing online poker right now. It, is there, I, I've never wanted to get one of your packs before, or it hasn't really crossed my mind, or I bought one a while ago, but I really, I had my eye on this one, but I passed on it when it was on sale because I wasn't playing online that much, but now I'm playing online quite a bit. But 
there it, it could you cut me a deal on this could you cut me a deal on that and eventually i just said okay let's everybody you know the you got scoop coming up you got or you got all all these big tournament series going on and coming up and everything the wpts the scoops and everything and the and a lot of people are even playing cash on a lot of their like sports book sites and whatever. So I just said, all right, let's put it all, let's put everything relevant to what you guys are asking for on sale, right? So how to think like a poker player? It's uh, it's normally two hundred and ninety nine dollars. It is the fastest pack to get you executing uh, in tournaments and building stacks and getting far and having fun. That's now ninety nine right now. Master small stakes cash games in one class, the very comprehensive guide on how to play lower stakes cash games online and offline. It will help your live game as well. That's normally $7.99. It's now $1.99 now. How to destroy turbo tournaments. Mike Wasserman guiding us through how he wins some of the biggest field turbos on stars in back-to-back nights. Just going through every hand and showing all of the analysis the icm and the range manipulation and all of that uh how to destroy turbo tournaments that's normally 4.99 uh how to win the sunday million which is mike wasserman showing us how he won a major just every single hand and that one's insane because it's 25 episodes with six hours of bonus features and it's very much uh Mike shows us how he won the Sunny Million, and we see every hand, and there are some crazy hands here that teach a lot. But what's really amazing about that one is Mike really, him and I are talking on that one. Like, we do every episode together. He does the bonus episode, the bonus content on his own. But I'm just quizzing him on his process because he's won a lot of big tournaments, and he was number one in the world at one point. And he just gives these amazing answers, right? And it really gets your mind tuned in on how to win these big major tournaments. And uh, we also have Crush Hyper Turbos on sale, uh, normally $3.99. That's $99 right now. And that's a lot of people are playing Hyper Turbos, trying trying to make some money during these uh, tournament seasons. And uh, my baby master tournament poker in one class special edition is on sale. That's normally $698. It's now $199. That is master tournament poker in one class and how to think like a poker player put together like peanut butter and chocolate. They go perfect. One is on all the database analysis, where these plays come from, why they work. And the other is just about execution, execution, execution as much as possible. And if you want to throw a couple of bucks towards Barry, for giving you hundreds of podcasts for years and years and years, right? And you can use the special codes that Barry is going to post, and that's going to tag it to you heard it through this, and that's going to cause us to make more one-outer episodes, you know, when we're not uh, throwing ourselves uh, around the house, thrashing around, worried about... uh, building a toilet paper pyramid into the sky and uh, putting on our gloves and mask to go, go into our cars or whatever. We'll do a few more of these. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it sounds like tons of tons are on sale there. 
So what I'll do is I'll post the links in the show notes of this. So you'll see them on oneouter.com. And if you just on the front page, click on episode 215 and it will take you to all the details that you need there. And they will also be posted in the Facebook group and Facebook page and also on Twitter as well. And you can go and have a look and see if there's anything for you there that you are interested in buying while this sale is currently running. Um, Alex, is there anything else? How can people get in touch with you for further questions? I mean, I, I still want people to keep keep the questions coming in. I actually went onto Twitter this week and a few people got in touch. So, And some people emailed me yesterday with some questions. So both those are the best ways to get questions for future shows. If you either tweet them to me at oneouter.com, that's at O-N-E-O-U-T-E-R-D-O-T-C-O-M, or message barry at oneouter.com. And I will get them added to the list and promise to order them in a, a, sorry, get them onto the list and get them onto a podcast in a timely fashion, uh, unlike poor Trevor's from, I think he messaged in early January or something like that, so... Um, to be fair, we all, this is only our second or third show this year of 2020. So, you know, we're uh, nothing to do with coronavirus. Just I am very lazy as well. So, <laughs> Yeah, I was definitely, I was just getting really obsessed with making new articles, making new videos, making new content, recording new. I, I'm doing this thing. Uh, oh, yeah. You, Barry asked if you want. If I wanted to say anything, go to pokerheadrush.com and sign up for my newsletter. Something I'm doing right now is I'm recording like 10, 15 minute audio messages answering questions that you guys send in all the time. And I'm kind of thinking of it as like, this is how we're going to get you prepped before your session. You know, 10, 15 minute warm up, uh, talking to a poker coach on the phone, talking about something you guys care about. You know, so you can do some stretches or push-ups before your online session. Or if they do open your local card room, maybe you can listen to it on the way in the car. I'm recording a bunch of those right now. And they're going to be up on the newsletter. You're going to be getting the newsletter. You get new content every day. And that, that's really my baby. I wanted to see if that was possible to do a daily newsletter. And there's so many, so, something like 30 new original articles came out in the last couple of months. So I, I've been really happy to get a lot more content in that uh to get to give you guys something to get you thinking poker and get you thinking how to play it right and have more fun and hopefully make a couple of bucks every day so do sign for pokerheadrush.com if uh you get a chance and uh also this sale ends on may 31st 2020 and yeah now that i got so much content out or so much content saved away Maybe I can work a little harder on persuading Barry to come out to a few more of these. I'm a little less busy. It sounds like you sound like you're in better spirits, Barry, than when I was talking to you a few weeks ago. We were both pretty drab. And yeah, yeah maybe I can get you out to a few more of these for the fans. Because, God, according to the emails I get, you people really love you, man. Like they, your dry sense of humor really goes well with people. Yeah, yeah. Well, you've just threw me under the bus as well because uh, the uh, the um, the thirty first of May for the sale. I didn't know it was as uh, timely as that. So, <laughs> listeners, that is an Alex ambush, not myself. So, 
you've really got to get your uh, finger out, as we say in Scotland, and get on that to get that discount if it's <laughs> Get to work, Barry. That's how I'm going to get you to post this in a timely manner. Otherwise, in nine days, I'm going to be getting you out of a bunch of empty fizzy juice cartons to post it. <laughs> No, 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 this will go up. This is Thursday the 28th. This will be going up tonight straight away. So uh, when is the 31st? You got the Sunday. So this Sunday. So it'll be around about midnight New York time, I'm assuming, uh, Sunday yeah. that these yeah. offers end. So, yeah, let's see uh, Let's see a mass gathering. Uh, socially distanced, obviously. It's virtually <laughs> so But uh, a mass gathering of virtual people um clambering and filling their uh, Gumroad shopping carts with uh, Alex's products and um, yeah uh, go, go and check them out and see what see if there's anything for you and if you can afford it just now then go and treat yourself and because Alex is right I mean even I've been playing more poker recently I played some of the uh, scoop games cashed in a couple of them I've been playing some zoom cash as well and yeah the games are busy and happening and there's plenty going on on a lot of other sites and stuff as well so it's a good time if you do have the time and you got some money just now that you want to spend on bettering yourself and bettering your poker game then go and grab something from alex at these insane discounts just now and now's the time to buy them and yeah check them out okay alex that we're going to wrap up there it's uh, very hot in Scotland just now, and I need, well, for Scotland, uh, as hot as it can be. And I need to go and get some water, actually, not fizzy juice. I need water. I'm that thirsty. So uh, <laughs> we're going to wrap it up there. Keep your questions coming in. We will get them answered on the next episode, whenever that is. And until then, thanks for listening and cheers. Cheers. <laughs>